Complex. You're listening to the Notes from the Pen podcast. This is the captain of the ship, Friedrich von Schnurzenpopper. And of course, well, wait, I, I don't even know if I have a convict with me. I don't know what. I feel like I see something in the back. In the what, what is that? It, I feel like I smell smoke. Is there something? What is a? Uh oh. What is? Also be uh, brought up to uh, our viewers that uh, I've been playing with the mixing board a little bit, so we're trying out some things. Hopefully, this is working. Uh, no one's positive if it is or if it isn't, but uh, yeah. Between phone calls, I'll go it back and look. It should be mentioned to the viewers that we have a mixing board now. I don't think they knew it. Big old fancy fucking mixing board and all kinds of bells and whistles that uh, the captain is still. Uh, Got a new motor on the on the on the damn uh, ghost ship. And we're just trying to figure out the uh, all the little uh, toys involved. Yeah, yeah. And when I asked Bobby what type of uh, walk up music he would have, you know, like he was a baseball player headed to the plate and he, he gets to choose whatever music he wants, he immediately said he wants Ric Flair music. So, of course, I obliged. Uh, oddly, Joe Joe wants uh, what did he want? Dreams from Fleetwood Mac, which. It was an odd choice, but uh, it was it, it's, uh, kind of viral for him. Yeah, but I, you guys couldn't know that, uh, like, in the last, I don't know, three weeks ago or something, that was super viral where there's this dude on a skateboard with uh, some cranberry juice, and he's uh, he's vibing to, uh, like, he's a, you know, grown-ass man, like, in his, like, 40 or something, and he's, like, uh, lip-syncing to... Um, Fleetwood Mac, so it's kind of fun. And I, Bobby, can we just play this one drop just because it's my all-time favorite? With the rest on the road, with that golden retriever, you call a woman. I'm never gonna get tired of that. Now listen, can we just say this? Like, it's, it's so it's so layered, right? If you just hear that and you think, what's the big fucking deal? First of all, you don't know who Ric Flair is, and you're under the age. You have one minute remaining. Third, what? Thirty-five? It's unforgivable. First of all. Second of all, go look at him. Go watch these videos. This guy is not faking. 
that shit. He basically chose wrestling, over, wrestling and fame over his family, which they'll all tell you that he's got a 30 for 30 on him. And one of my favorite things audibly is when Ric Flair is doing one of his fucking things, he is so excited that his voice breaks into like a screech a lot, uh, occasionally. And um, it's just fucking majestic. It's my spirit animal, man. When I really need to get fired up, um, you just a little Ric Flair and I'm, it's just solidified. I'm getting a Ric Flair tattoo. I'm just gonna get a portrait of Ric Flair on my rib cage, the nature boy. Love it. You know, you know, we've had this for a minute, and every time you play it, I just get pumped. It is it is kind of fun, I, I must admit. Uh, why don't you call me back, and then we'll lay out what the show's going to be about. Thank you for using GTL. Well, like, like, right before we get started, what are the odds of me? Yeah, see, Ric Flair was outrappering every rapper before there was rappers, as far as, like, stunting on people and shit. What's the chances you give me one where he's Flair stunting about the prices of his shoes or his Rolex or any of that stuff you got any one of those queued up uh yeah but i i don't know i walked down that aisle and i took care of it who is old no uh, that's not it. it it would take me a minute to so bring the camera one time you like it from the lizard shoes huh about 700 bucks did a roll yeah. like watch did a biggest sadness my spear can hold you are looking at tear class dude the biggest diamonds my finger can hold. You are looking at pure class. He's <laughs> so serious. Oh, I love him so much. Okay. I can't tell you the joy that brings me. Okay. All right. The world is right. Whatever. Back on the taxes. Whatever we got to do. Let's go. <laughs> I just needed. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll try to quit playing with the sticky stuff and let's get back to. Um, uh, the show. What we what we're gonna uh, we want to discuss, and it, this might take multiple episodes. Maybe we can get it all in at once. I I don't know. Um, but uh, one of the things in prison that fascinates me, and it's got to fascinate some of the other viewers. I consider myself to be the lead viewer, lead listener. I guess Mama sees in that um, in that camp with me. One of the things that fascinates me is fraternities, and throughout this. You know, experiment that we've been uh, we've been working on here. We we try to stay pretty delicate around things that could ever come back to bite Bobby in the ass. So we don't. There's some things we don't discuss because you know we don't want to. You know, it's not for public knowledge. But I feel like with fraternities, we could at least discuss like the structure, the roles, the rewards, the punishments, the you know all the interesting type shit that. That happens in a fraternity. I got a little bit of viewer questions on it, um, just a couple. But uh, yeah, Bobby, you you brought this up. But this this came up because I wanted to do a, a whole ep maybe on on uh, your bro Demon, R.I.P. But uh, before we do Demon, we we probably want to lay down, you know, the more structural things that happen in a fraternity, how how it works out, what it looks like, because we. We don't know. We watch TV or, or movies, and we're like, oh, okay, I understand how prison gangs work or prison fraternities work. Uh, okay. But we don't know shit. We know what Hollywood tells us. Well, one of the things uh, that I think, like, kind of propelled this, <clears throat> you know, because there, there is a fine line. Our, our personal motto is warts and all, right? And that usually applies to, like, embarrassing or vulnerable 
or it's shit as long as it's real, right? But then there's this line, and um, me and you have a conversation quite often, off the record, if you will, you know. And in the just in conversation, I'll mention uh, something, and then we'll, you know, and just in passing while we were talking, I mentioned demon. But just a quick little short story, and just not even a story, just describing him to you, and you were like, wait, what? And it's one of those things that, you know, it's like, man, how do we how do we share this with, with the viewers out there without, you know, going? So, so I figured, you know, we both figured we could, it's probably a way we could do it, you know, where we can talk a little bit about it. I think it's important, too, for people to kind of understand, because, you know, one of our big things is painting a more three-dimensional picture closer to reality of what's going on in here. And that goes, uh, that's a big part of it where people misunderstand and think, especially after getting to know me, probably a lot of people are thinking like, why would he ever be involved with anything like that? And, um, so yeah, so that's what we were, uh, trying to figure and maybe we should try to walk this line a little bit. Right. And then even when we, we think of like the demon story, it goes back to that one uh, episode we did in the beginning. I don't know. It was probably in our first 10, that whole, um, junkies to gangbangers. And um, you know, sadly, he fit in that type of uh, in that type of mold. But that's just the beginning of it, and that and that's just more the reason why. Well, of course, prison reform and just how screwy the prison system is, all that plays a role. But Bobby, how, yeah, go ahead, uh, fire a shot. You want me to ask, like, how do you get into a fraternity? What are the parameters? I think you've kind of gone over some of it. Well, yeah, how you get in is you have to be invited to the party. And it's, you know, fraternity is a pretty good analogy because you, you, have, to, you have to be invited, right? And you, the, the idea is you have to be invited to the party, and then you have to be let in by somebody who's authorized to let you in, which doesn't really go that way all the time now, which is one of the problems with quality control. And, and, and most of the ones here aren't gangs like bloods and crips are gangs right there's no governing body there's no there's no like technical structure on a yard there might be on a prison yard but in the world there's not like a governing board at least that i'm aware not when it was started for for certain but that's that west coast stuff we're in the midwest a lot of ours are from chicago originally and like for instance people have heard of the latin kings before right that's that's a chicago one and those are Technically, you know, you can mince words, are organizations, right? They have a governing board. They have board members that hold different positions at the highest, you know, at a really high level. I really don't want to talk too much about that stuff, but those are those are things that if you're talking to someone in one of those, they would say, we're not a gang, we're an organization. But, yeah, there's a lot of gang shit that's kind of, that goes on. You know what I mean? So you have to be asked to the party, and then you have to be brought around, and then technically on a yard like a prison yard you have to be voted on so you want to get to know everyone and then have to vote and it's supposed to be unanimous a unanimous vote and then you can start probation the probationary period which lasts anywhere from one to like six months three is usually the average but yeah, Wait a minute. You, uh, before okay so now i already have uh, many questions like is there hazing and is there a ceremony for when somebody does get in? Is there uh, some sort of work that they got to put in? 
I remember in college, I never uh, pledged any frat or anything, but uh, Volch, uh, our, our friend, our uh, viewer and friend of the show, Vulture, yeah, he, he did. And Vulture was popular, and uh, they, they were happy to have him. But they also made him, like, you know, funnel beer and then do, like, um, minor league baseball-type antics where – you funnel X amount of beers, then you got to put your forehead on the end of a baseball bat with the barrel on the ground, and you know what I mean, and do circles around it, and then you got to get be in a race, and you end up falling down, of course, and then eventually throwing up because you're funneling so many beers. But you know, typical college type hazing for the '90s. I don't even know what they're allowed to do nowadays. But is there that type of stuff? They probably had to do other shit too, though, like cleaning stuff up. You know what I mean? Like deliver beers to everyone. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Shit, stuff like that, too. That's, that was like a little less funny or glamorous than uh, drinking and spinning your head on a bat. Uh, I would just guess. You know what I mean? There is that. There definitely is that. But it's less, very much less prankish and more functional. You know, uh, it's just like when you would run a carpentry crew. The new guy, what does he do? He's a gopher. He goes and just gets shit. He does whatever. Go clean up the busy work. Go clean this up. Go do that. So if I was ever on <laughs> probation, um, I'd jump in like fully, like, give me like, what's up type stuff, which you kind of remember when I was, uh, when I worked with you, I was kind of like that, like, what's up, what's next, what are we doing type stuff as far as like wanting to move up. And, and so it started with like holding what's called words or lit which you can is, you know, there's a checklist to get STG, which is classified by the institution as a security threat group, that you're in a security threat group, and it's bad news. Like, you can't get secure packs. You're supposed to be on double O, meaning you can't leave your cell from, like, 8 to 3 at all throughout the weekday, and then on the weekends you can come out. and It's bad. STG. And that's nationally. You'll hear security threat group. So they have a check. They can't just say, well, we assume you are one, so you're secure, you're STG. What they do is they have a checklist, and um, you have to check. They have to be able to check three things off the checklist. Now, the most common ones that they get you with is affiliation with other known uh, fraternity members, tattoos, like marking insignia, and literature is one of them. So, policies and principles, laws, history of the organization, stuff like that, or pictures of stuff. You get caught with those, and sometimes when you watch lockup. Or, or any of those Nat Geo like documentary type shows, you'll see the STG coordinator in there. Which when I would watch it back then, I didn't really know. And they'll be like, "Look, this sign." And when you see him like open a picture up, and you're like, "This means this, and this means that." When I would watch it, I'd go, "Oh yeah, cool." But when I watch it now, I go, "Why is he going to catch whoever sell that is going to catch a violation for having that in his shit and getting popped with it?" You know what I mean? Getting having them because they'll confiscate it. So they have wait, you. But wait, wait, wait. The back, back up. So the, my own fraternity would be mad as hell at me if something if I'm studying the literature I'm supposed to be studying, and I I get my my house flipped upside down and CEOs find the literature. Now I'm in trouble with my fraternity as yeah. well as as well as the institution. Yeah, absolutely. And really, you're not supposed to have that stuff written down. Like there's stuff you have to memorize and flunkies who aren't great at memorizing will have it somewhere stashed and then now new guys will have it written down temporarily until they can memorize memorize it and then get rid of it. So I started out like um, 
basically a secretary, like right, like copying, making copies of words, or not kites because they're not called, but they're words to people, like little individual interpersonal kites, and um, with lit and and history and all that stuff and messages that need to go to different levels on that yard, um, making, holding, and stashing uh, knives is a thing that most people do during probationary times. And I figure I would know how to do that. You know what I mean? So, uh, allegedly. So was that. Allegedly. There was allegedly um, someone who, when he rode out from a joint, had to leave a treasure map to the bros of where the bangers were hidden <laughs> in the specific spot. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so those are like the more risky grunt work like you take these words over to that guy so you know while they're feeling you out and kind of seeing how now technically you're not supposed to put in any work for the organization while you're on probation because you're not a full-fledged member now someone like me might be so adamant about volunteering that a blind eye was turned and they were like okay all right go do your thing technically you're not supposed to but you're yeah, well, you were you were extra squirrely about it, and you were in a position where you were one of the few people that could do something about it, if I recall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I should have noticed a lot of signs at the beginning about how these these strict rules are very, very arbitrarily followed. You know what I mean? I should have know. I should have picked up more on that. So, oh, they're just like the institution. Um. Not as bad as the institution, but yeah, there's uh, there's things I take like um, I don't. I wish I could say the four guiding principles of our of the the part of like I used to hang out with these guys, right? Those are all good things, and they're uh, you know, and I've explained this before. You know, me looking at systems understands that like even if no one else involved does, this is a way of controlling your environment, who you're around in a place where there is no control and the people who are trying to institute control you cannot trust, meaning like the actual institution. And so it, it makes sense that it's bringing it. And even farther, I don't think I've ever told you this, there wasn't a lot of organizations in Michigan in like the 80s and stuff. But what happened was there were religious groups, racial religious groups, that became for all intents and purposes gangs. And when that happens, it's like almost like nuclear weapons, right? If one country has nuclear weapons, then they can do whatever they want, and it almost causes the other groups to have to, like, stand together in order not to get walked completely over and become second-class citizens. So with organizations, it's almost like all or nothing. It's either there's none. If you allow one to happen, there's just inevitably they're going to spring up because otherwise everyone's going to be a second-class citizen who isn't a part of that thing. And that's why they started, in my opinion, started popping up over the 80s, 90s, 2000s more frequently, you know. So, yeah, that, that's like some of the um, the original beginning phases of, of how people come around, you know. And then uh, you asked about, like, ritual. There's a, I can't speak to the other one, but I've seen a ritual or two as far as, like, the initiation, which always involves some form of violence, Taking minutes in, as they say, taking your minutes, as they call it, where um, it's either single, one-on-one, or multiple people on one, and it's no, I can't, like I said, I can't speak for all, but it's the, what I can speak on is it's the one person 
they initiate doesn't fight back. They have to hold a certain posture, and it's timed. It's bad, man. No, nothing to the face. Um, you, just, you just sit there while you take tons of body shots? Yeah. And, you know, I, you know me. Like, I was in gyms and training, and I was like, nothing, this ain't nothing. This is going to be nothing for me. <laughs> the fuck it was not. It was something. <laughs> it was something. It was something, man. And they want to see afterwards that you've got at least, they say, three colors. So I want to see three colors on you. You know, when bruises turn, like, yellow, blue, and purple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, that's a minute in. And if you're like me or someone, if you're someone like me and you at some point reach a phase where you're like, love you guys, doesn't seem to be, you don't seem to be standing on the stuff. We're grown apart. I have my own little guy that I have, that I can't put secondary anymore. You take minutes out too. Oh, we were, uh, that was part of the question that, uh, one of the fewer questions, uh, was, uh, it, it, but you, let me you, say you this. To get out. Is it just like you getting in? Is there violence to get out? Yeah. There was violence to get in. Okay. For normal people. That's the case. Normal people. That's the case. I don't want to go too much more into that. Cause I don't want to get anyone in trouble. That was where I was at when I was on my way out. But normally that's the case. Gotcha. So what about the structure? How does the structure work? Is there a, um, there's gotta be a pecking order. It's, it's I don't know. Is it like um, there's a foreman, there's a guy that has the yard. There might be big homies also around that don't really need to have the yard or be in charge. But then there's got to be like a treasurer or secretary or I don't know. Uh, how does the structure work? Yeah, you're pretty uh, pretty on point. Now, now the, the it's almost like um, management, right? So if you have a chain restaurant, you'll have a manager, which is at that they're they're not making up the rules. They're just kind of enforcing the rules at their store. Then, and then there's a regional manager, which is like got is upper. And then there's like owners. And they're the the bigger people that you're talking about that don't really hold a position. There's only a couple of those guys. One, two, there's like four of those guys. There's like 40,000 people in MDOC. There's like four of those guys. So you're usually not even around. Most people aren't around them. I did a lot of time in higher levels, years in higher levels. So I was around those guys. You know what I mean? And because of that, it's a lot like, probably like the mob or politicians, you know, who you're around, who you can rub elbows with, but also mixed with some meritocracy, who you prove yourself. Because it's, it's, it's actually, it can be really beneficial, quote-unquote, career-wise if you're around those guys. But it can also be really detrimental if you're not laying like that, if you're not cut. If someone else brought you around and you're not really made of that caliber and now you're around them, they don't, those guys don't play and what they say goes, and that's it. And uh, they didn't get up there from being soft or, or forgiving. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, uh, I, can, I can imagine. It, it, yeah, it's... You're you're hanging out with the the big homie, uh, you know, like way up the food chain, and that could that could be good for you as long as you're doing you, you're doing things that he thinks is in the best interest of the group of the fraternity. But the second you step out of line, it could be bad news for you too. 
yeah, the consequences aren't like skirted around those guys, which is good to me. It's a good. It was a better thing than. Now I could. I felt bad for guys in turn, which is why I'm. I think the biggest problem with with fraternities is who they let pledge, right? And it's not just just because you're friends with a guy and you like a guy. Okay, so for instance, there's a guy that the viewers know named Gr Joe, that the one of the big homies loved him, and he was my bunkie. And what Joe told you, what I said, I said, don't do it, man. You don't need to do it. Don't fucking do it. And uh, he definitely, there's a part of him that I know still wishes he, he did. But uh, I think in the long run, he realized it was, he didn't need to do it. He was already had all the benefits of it. You know, he, we all fucked with him, and he was with us all the time anyways. And, you know, you, you think you're doing someone a favor by like, yeah, come on, D, let's jump in the car. And then you know, something that could happen down the road because you're a good guy, but when it comes to putting in work, you're not really that guy, and that's fine. But And I see a lot of people get into trouble pretending to be that guy. And, and it, there's a real irony to it because they think pretending to be that guy will make them, make people think twice about fucking with them or messing with them. But really what it does is it forces them into a position to where they're eventually going to have to be that guy. And when they can't be that guy, they end up, becoming a victim of violence and it's uh the opposite of what they intended me i see i'm really good at picking those guys out and going oh that guy if he talks to he, watch watch when shit hits the fan he ain't he's gonna be nowhere to be found you know so um yeah you're pretty close you know if i was to ever be the head of a fraternity it also depends on how many people you have there right like like here the one that I'm familiar with, there's like, out of 400 people in my unit, there's I don't want to say uh, you one or two that aren't really doing anything. You know, what I mean? they're not they're not doing anything. So there's not there's not even there's no point to have what's called a function um, because there's not. But I've been on I've been places where there's 20, and then when that's the case. Then you have all kinds of uh, structure where there's someone at the top, and then there's um, what's called a second, which is kind of what Kyle would have been to you when we were framing, you know? Lieutenant. Above me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, below you. And then there's um, some form of like a security position, which is what Demon served, which kind of, you know, he was perfect for that. And then you know, when I was describing him to you, I said, man, you would have, he was a good dude, man. He was funny as hell, super nuanced and funny sense of humor. Good looking kid, uh, into like diverse music and shit, but had a real edge to him. And the way I described him, I said, great, good looking kid, great sense of humor, funny, extremely violent, <laughs> which made you laugh. And, um, in order to show you, I said, yeah, we're, well, when he, when I ran into him, he was um he had just come from another disciplinary joint which came to the disciplinary joint I was at. He the the, the fraternity leader over at that spot was what I call like a wartime general, you know what I mean? Who looked uh, as like violence to settle everything. I wasn't ever like that. Uh, my my compass was the what was ever best for the, the people I was around and under me. Well, at the spot he just came from, the dude wanted him to get a finger for him. 
meaning there was an infraction by someone, and he said, cut off his finger and bring me his finger. All right now, Demon is fully willing to do stuff like that, right? <laughs> but even he was like, what do you mean? Do you know the logistics of cutting this guy's finger off? Like, what, I'm going to have to, like, he's not just going to sit there and let me cut his finger off and bring it to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, I'm good. Come on, man. If you can get his finger, I want you to bring me his finger. Dog, old boy was serious, too. So um, he's like, uh, well, how do I do it? That's going to be hard. So the next time he sees the guy, he knows he's clearly got to do something to this guy. So instead, he just stabbed him a bunch of times. And then <laughs> by then it was taken care of, and he was uh, reprimanded or verbal, verbally lashed for not bringing the guy his index finger. Oh, the wartime general. Uh, the wartime general uh, wasn't wasn't impressed. It was Matt. <laughs> Matt like, only Matt, stabbed like, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even had sent a, a message at some point to where we were at. Like I love you, I hope you're good. I still can't believe you didn't bring me, bring me what I asked you for. <laughs> and so, Demon, Demon's a great example of of someone who could have went down either path. Demon, if you would have, if he would have grown up somewhere else and not Detroit, he would have just been a, a frat member who was, you know, who at that, you know, he was in his early twenties back then, and he had all that piss and vinegar that we've talked about before of like a men that age who have nowhere to put it really. You know, and he was doing a prison sentence, and he was eager to prove himself about that life. And he didn't walk around like a tough guy all the time and an asshole. But so when you're looking to fill a security position, who's the head of all of that type of stuff, all like the the armed aspect of of a, of, an, of a fraternity, he's perfect to put in that position because. And I kind of described it to you like this. I said, "He's. You want to know if you're loading your gun up. You want to know that if uh, if the round is live or not, because if you're the one controlling it, you can be reasonable about it. Now, if you have a hothead, you might ask for a finger. You know what I mean? But if you're just being reasonable, you know at least when the time comes, if you tell him, "Hey, this needs to happen." And and for those of you out there that are doing that moral thing, like violence is never the answer. That's uh, easy to say outside. There are things here where little small acts of violence can prevent larger, more devastating acts of violence. This goes back to that gray area. And so he was good to have in that position. And uh, I remember uh, like a little bit before before we parted ways, before I rode out, he had got, he's, he's, like I said, he's a good-looking kid, like square jaw. You know, he was on, did a couple cycles out there. wasn't massive, but he was like a big dude, about my frame, like six foot. And, uh he had got tattoos over both his eyebrows. He was going home soon. I'm like, what are you, oh, what are you doing? You're going to live. And he's like, it's just, and they were, they were fraternity related. And then, um, you know, we part ways and, and I get uh, news here from GR Joe told me because where GR Joe's at is like a way station. So people always are stopping in and out of there. Cause it's, you know, if you're going far traveling to another joint that's far away, you stop there for a night or two. So you get to hang out on the yard. Sent a message uh, through Mama C that a demon had got out, which I was glad to hear he got out and died like real soon. He OD'd out there, I guess. And uh, that was his thing. He was an addict, man. And he actually, when we were together, 
had control of it pretty good. Like he would reach moments where he would dabble here and there. And I always had a rule that the real rule is no one does anything ever. If you do anything ever, you stay in your room. Now, there, my rule was if you need to blow off steam every now and again, fine. It better never become a problem. If it becomes a problem, if you owe money, I've had to put people allegedly on dope restriction. Like you can't do anything because you can't handle yourself. You're not allowed to do anything. If anyone gets caught giving them anything or, you know, he was good about it where he would go, no, I'm not doing nothing for three months. And he wouldn't do anything for three months. You know, he, uh, he didn't like being like a junkie and he wasn't when we were together, you know, being in this place. And I think maybe having family, some sort of sense of family and meaning in here. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing when he got out, you know, none of that stuff was addressed in the proper way, the comprehensive way that it takes, you know, and this, this place failed him, you know, and, uh, and then he died, man. He must've been 20, he was about 23 times. And, uh, yeah, you said overdose, right? Yeah. He overdosed. He died. It yeah. still doesn't seem real because I'm gone now. And, uh, I'm not at the, you have one minute remaining word of mouth and uh, he was a good solid human being that you hear that yay I don't know if that's not uh if that's not a uh, a sign <laughs> let's see if it stops here all right, we'll maybe get some listener questions and then finish up. Don't get tased. Yeah, I got to go on. I love you guys. Uh, it'll be good. I'll hit you up when I can. All right, see you. Thank you for using GTL. Okay, Bobby, and we're back. Uh, that, that got weird quick. I'm not going to have any... Um, Re- rejoin music or uh, any silly, you know, Ric Flair woos, just because that was uh, jolting. That's a, that's the second time I've heard it, and that's uh, that's some shit right there. Yeah, we were uh, emergency count the long siren where they just keep it going. Which last time it was just the one one blare, which means get inside. This one is signifies that there's probably going to be a mass shakedown and we were on lockdown until nighttime I couldn't come out until night and uh you know we kind of chatted a little bit but when I went up there and this is a combination of the fact that there's a goddamn uh, air raid siren going off over our heads but also like the subject matter of this this episode like really um really made me realize there's, there's just this in constant anxiety or, or like there's just this intending doom that just weighs on you and it's a chemical thing you can feel it in your head and chest and you're just always like waiting for another the other shoe to drop even when there's really nothing like coming back to the to the house to the cell you're thinking okay the probably they might do a mass shakedown and they're gonna tear a bunch of shit up i don't have anything in there worth being like anxious about but it doesn't I mean, tell that to the chemicals, of course, you know what I mean? It's like that pre-fight anxiousness or alertness and, like, high stress, like your heart's beating extra fast, and it's been going on. It was going on for hours, even, like, today when I still feel it a little bit. And it's just, you know, prison, that man, that's got to be 
just one of the more detrimental aspects of this place that like people don't really pay attention to because you think you level off to that baseline, but there's just always something that has like this, you know, and like just living in a high stress uh, uh, baseline. And uh, doing this episode too is the first time I, I I told you that I ever felt like, man, I don't. I don't feel right about about this, but it's just because it's such touchy subject matter, and um, it involves other people. And I, I, I don't know, man. So yeah, so would you say uh, it, it it triggers fight or flight um, hormones? Yeah, I mean it's something similar. It's it's definitely maybe lesser than, than that things, that feeling you get before you, you fight someone or something really um, dramatic or, or traumatic is going to happen, you know? It's just, but, you know, it's obviously not 100% of that. It's like maybe you're just 15 and then you hear something like that siren or you get into it with some, it's just so constant in here. And then just yesterday going from talking to you to all you guys and then going back up to the cell with that with the air raid siren and it just made me I just I remember sitting there when I first went back up there and just going man this is a motherfucker like this feeling is just thank god you guys don't have to deal with that um for the most part I mean a lot of people have anxiety out there but it's just uh whatever so yeah so we're back now it's been a day that I'm still kind of in that mind state when we, from when we broke off but uh, I'm ready to do this. Yeah, I was going to mention to the viewers that, uh, of course, I didn't get to, we didn't get to wrap any of this back up uh, yesterday when we were recording. This is the next, the following day, and we are, um, it's still somewhat morning time. Um, yeah, and maybe I should uh, tell on myself here. You know how we don't do like shtick? I'm using some air quotes with my fingers here. Well, Someone may or may not have played the uh, sad trombone at the end of the air raids, just as you were hanging up. <laughs> I don't know if I feel good about that or not, um, but uh, I don't know that I'm taking it out. So uh, there's you're that. Kid, yep. you're, a kid with, you're a kid with a new toy. I absolutely am. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I feel good about it, but uh, I, it's there. Um what, what what we were talking about, uh, and and something that I couldn't wait to ask you, but I, obviously we got interrupted. But you were saying it's not uncommon for people to get out and to OD, and that that kind of shook me. I mean, we were having this in a private conversation. This wasn't in uh, something we recorded, but I can imagine I can imagine that to be the case. Now that you you know you bring it to the fore, I'm like, what do you mean it's not that uncommon? But I guess if, if you're I, – I realize in prison you can use, but the quantity probably is – and the purity and the – you know, there's probably a couple hang-ups in there that it's probably a little tougher to uh, – like, I'm sure you could OD in prison, but – Oh, I've seen people. Yeah, people have died in here. But it just seems – you know, it seems like if you when it's you left. get out, there, there's – you haven't done anything to – to rehabilitate the reasons why you went in there. Instead, you went in there because you were an addict, and then you became uh, a frat member, and you know, just a snowball's effect. And and I, I don't know. It's, there's there's probably some sort of correlation between violence, 
really tense situations, kind of like what I was talking about with tons of stress hormones all the time. And I'm not saying fraternity members are like our armed service, but you see a lot what happens with military people. My dad's a, um, a vet who saw, you know what I mean, who saw action and, and all kinds of stuff. And you see what happens when they get back depression, mental health issues, addiction, you know, and uh, there is no VA for ex-cons. <laughs> you know, they get out and it's like, all right, don't do any of the stuff you were doing before and good luck getting a job and uh, figure it out. And so the idea that some of these, and he wasn't even close to the top echelon of like, yeah. at it. Like, G.R. Joe is like, he had more self-control than than our favorite uh, sidekick. You know what I mean? Right. Now he was also more reckless, and uh, I didn't get the details. I can't get the details all in here. Yeah, that happens a lot. People die from all kinds of stuff, but that's one that you know, just where we're from in Florida. That's been a at this point, it's just like oh, another one, another one, another one, and it's always you hear it through the grapevine and. Uh, yeah, a lot of these people, you know, and I go over this in the Junkies the Gang Member, are good people. They could be really be contributing members. And I know I just told a story about him, <laughs> about a, my dog stabbing somebody. Um, but that that could have been uh, that could have been his. It was a loss, man. He could have he could have really uh, been contributing and done something if he had a chance. Think about how these Maybe how not. they get released it, it, with they get released you get released, this is going to happen to you, and you're going to have to deal with PTSD. Now, if you're an addict going in, when you come out, and now you, you know, your whole thing, the whole world shook upside down because you can't get an apartment, you can't get a job, you can't, and you're dealing with PTSD, why wouldn't you use? That, that seems like that'd be a, I don't know. I, I would want to. Yeah. It, I don't know that I've even really... There's some things that happen because you're in prison that you almost, and, and I'm really big on not like burying shit or putting, but there's some things that happen in here that you're like, I can't really fully get my mind around it. Like there's too much other stuff going on. And it's that way with death for sure. And it's that way with demon for me. I kind of told you, um, I have these moments, I'm sure all the viewers can relate to this. Like there's a point in your life where you listen to a certain song a bunch and they never listen to it again. And then like you hear it later, it like triggers, not just a memory of that time, but like also where your mind was and how you were feeling in that time. And uh, just like coincidentally, we had been talking about demon and when we used to have those cell parties when me and G.R. Joe were bunkies and stuff, we'd be listening to this one specific Push Your T song and stuff like that. And I downloaded it and I actually got it today. And as soon as I heard it, I mean, it's, I instantly like, pictured him and Joe and everyone. And, and then, that, that, you know, that stuff makes the shit sink in a little bit more than I think I'd, I'd, I'd allowed it to previously. And, uh, but it's a, good, it's a good memory, but it's also, like, hard not to get frustrated or, like, God damn, what a fucking waste. It's, like, 23 years old, man. So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I kind of wanted when I, I'm... You know, we have these breakups... And they seem like inconveniences, but they, what they allow me to do is sit down on like what we had just recorded or whatever. And, and one of the things I wanted to make sure that I, I, I talked about, and in, in, in no after-school special way, but just where obviously where I am with this stuff and have been for the last 
few years because I'm no longer a fraternity member, that when people reach out to me, viewers reach out to me, have family members about to come to prison or they're gonna they're looking at jail time or prison time and they ask me on JP, which has happened quite a few times, do you have any advice? They'll know the first thing I say to anybody is do not join a gang. Do not join an organization. When the new little Chino wrote in, first thing I tell him, he's she was I'm just trying to do not join a gang. It's alluring, it's sexy. There's mental justifications There's that maybe you not be aware of. I'm, I was aware of them, and I went in with open eyes. You have one minute remaining. I wasn't aware of all the consequences. And the, the most simple way I can put it, worst case scenario, you're a flunky or you make mistakes, and you're going to end up getting fucked up by your own your own fraternity brothers. Best case scenario, you're not a fuck up. You raise to the top of the ranks, and you're going to end up fucking up one of your own fraternity brothers. So you know what I mean? It's And, and it's... It's just if you can stand on your own two feet, stand on your own two feet. It might seem harder at first. There's going to be certain fringe benefits you don't get. But if you're, if you're a man or a realized woman, you don't need any of that stuff. And uh, in the long run, it's better, which is what I've tried to bestow when Joe was thinking about it. When anybody has, even when I'm involved, I'm going, no, bro, don't do it. And I'll say it on the slide to him. You know what I mean? Like, And, uh, uh, and I don't regret the fact that I was that I that I had my experience and went through it because I understand it from the inside and I can speak with some credibility on it and it's not all evil and shit like that like you'd expect it's much more nuanced than that but at the end of the day my my realization thank you for using GTL um your realization yeah yeah I mean my realization was that without it becoming like this superficial two-dimensional like rep uh, non-realistic representation of something like ooh you know when you like paint things as black and white good or evil usually naive that's for to the children this on saturday morning cartoons that's just not real man there's there's nuances to all that stuff and and i i want to you know i i have credit i would assume i have some sort of credibility from being on the inside and and coming to these realizations my own because I don't like just taking people's words for, for for too much stuff, you know? Yeah, I think that's important if anyone wants to know my personal opinion, you know, and there's all all different reasons. Some people are defined by being in a fraternity. It's all they have, right? So that's their whole identity. So they're constantly looking to stir stuff up or being, it's just like, shut up, all right? We know you're a Sigma Phi or whatever the hell, but... I'm not someone that need that uh, needed to be defined by that stuff, and you know a lot of illusions are realized after after time and proximity and uh yeah, so I was wondering, you know, I just thought of this when I was calling that do did it has it surprised you to learn that i that I had went that route for a little while for a couple of years? No, no, not absolutely not. All right, All right so um. So yeah, kids, don't do drugs and don't join gangs. <laughs> no. no, now you're going back to your Saturday morning. Uh... Yeah, be respectful of your parents and eat your vitamins. Take your vitamins. <laughs> so I know you. Uh, there was some other things you might have wanted to get to, and I just figured it was good to. Uh, I kind of like when we have these twelve to twenty-four hour windows to uh, kind of 
sit down on, on, on some of the, the subject matter. And if this thing felt a little herky-jerky, I don't know if it did or if it's just in my mind. Like I said, this was the only one that I've ever done where afterwards I was like, I had a little anxiety about it. Like, holy shit, like... There's, it's hard to it's hard to be a, a good storyteller when you don't have when you're limiting yourself on the shit you can talk about. You know what I mean? And you're trying right. to put on the fly and self regulate and self edit. And you're like, Ooh, should I have said that? Maybe should have said that. Maybe should have reeled this in. Then and that. And then what are the repercussions going to be for me in the future? I still got four plus years in here. So uh, so just forgive us a little bit if uh, if it didn't come out as eloquently <laughs> as uh, some of the other mad ramblings we we take part in. No, I'm sure any of our viewers understand that uh, this is a delicate subject and that we're not trying to out anybody or you know, speak ill of anybody or, you know, flap our gums or too much. Or to anybody or even to myself or, you know what I mean, or, or any of that shit on multiple levels, administratively, fraternity-wise, you know, all that stuff. I think it's been a while. I don't want to jump the gun here, step on your toes, but do we have uh, viewer questions? It seems like it's been a while. Yeah, we do have a couple of viewer questions on this uh, on this subject, and uh, both uh, Superfan Brittany and uh, Matt from Long Island both had questions about what are your obligations once you get out. It's different. It's weird, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. And you know I what I mean. Like you're good. still you're still part of the organization, but now you get released from prison. So now what do you do? Oh, okay. When when you get out, out, out. Oh, you got to check in. You're expected, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people, and it's it's that half step that people do. A lot of people don't, but they're supposed to check in. And uh, what ends up happening with a lot of the guys is they don't check in because there's certain chapters out in the world. They don't check in with either, and then they come back. And then they have to explain where they were. I thought they meant. I thought they meant what are your obligations when you get out? And most like get out of the fraternity, not get out of prison. And I was gonna say most of the people who get out of fraternity, I'd say a good eighty-five, ninety percent were forced out. So they're like persona non grata. If you're uh, one of the small percent that retired, retired technically, or just dropped their flag. If you're if you're a stand up guy and you're you're not viewed as that animalistic or instinctual like victim type thing, then you're left alone. To, to do what you want, people still still show respect if you're respected and stuff, but that so so that's what I thought they meant. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, I th- I think I I get that. Uh that just still fascinates me. You're supposed to go check in. Like you go up, you roll up to the local Moose Lodge or the BFW, and you're like, uh, "Hey, where's, where's my guys at? Hey, I'm here. You know, what's up? It's been a while." Well, you, you, on the way out, you're supposed to have contact info and stuff. So you're like, uh, "Hey," but there's a lot of nonsense going out in the world, right? In a lot of ways, there's more structure and organization in here because you, you're forced to be around. You know what I mean? It's just the environment is more tends more towards opportunity for structure and organization than in the world. You know what I mean? And the world, it, the idea of it call, being like calling it an organization without a smirk on your face is is a lot harder than doing it here. <laughs> oh yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I got. I got one more from Matt. Um, Maddie. 
And uh, I think it's fun. It's a, I think he puts this very eloquently. How do you get to be the Yard King? That's a good question. These are things that I, yeah. Um, we don't use that word, my particular group, but I know what he means. There's a couple ways. There's supposed to be a vote, right? But, or there can't, it doesn't always have to be. There can be a vote. And then it's unanimous gets it, right? Now, most people know each other. A lot of times, there's just an assumption on who gets it, and then it has to be sussed out. Whenever there's, like, a big homie there, they they can dictate whoever has it, right? But it's usually lineage, right? So there's very rarely a time where you're at facility A, and there's no one else there. So it's when someone who had the yard at that facility leaves, they leave it to somebody. And now that usually goes to their second, but they can always go, no, this guy's going to get it. And sometimes when they leave, there's a power vacuum, and everyone pretends to agree, and then they fight it out to determine who's going to have it. I had it allegedly several times in a level four and then level two, and those are split too. So the person who has level four yard doesn't really have sanction over who has level two yards. Do you know what I mean? They, they're basically um, independent islands. That, that communicating stuff like that. But um, I, mine was bequeathed to me both times and then certified when Big Homie showed up. And they're like, yeah, you're still going to keep it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I would, I would think different. it would normally go to the lieutenant. He would get first nod, I would think. Yeah, but not always. Like sometimes there will be, when there's about to be write-offs, there's new write-ins, so new guys will show up. And then there's different factions within there, so there are different chapters. And ours... I don't want to give too much away. Okay, so certain ones have may or may not have had a civil war going on for a while, which becomes a whole new fun fucking game to play. And uh, uh. yeah, there's one. When, when we, we're going to do a special Patreon when I get out <laughs> about a lot of the really uh, chaotic, crazy stuff. But you know, if there's a guy like a guy like me during a civil war, we try to bring the sides together because it's all ridiculous. But eh, whatever, there's too much to get into now with that. But yeah, it's usually there's different ways, and if someone doesn't like it, you can have a vote on it. But it's usually bequeathed. Great word. Yeah, I got another question from uh, Superfan Brit. Uh, do any of the CEOs get involved in the fraternity? I wonder what she means by that. What do you think she means? By that? I don't know. I imagine that uh, maybe if you're a CEO, but you. Uh, Maybe this one particular fraternity you fucked with, you know, maybe you do some sort of um, uh, uh, economic. Uh, oh, um, yeah, but I don't think it's based. It's not. There have been a couple of CEOs when you get around the Detroit area that were part in the world because of their, the neighborhood they grew up in associated with certain ones. But it's more, I think it's less oriented towards that. Occasionally, maybe it can be, but uh, it's more just opportunistic, who who they trust and stuff like that. You know, they say yesterday, early morning, a CEO came and got cuffed up in here. What? I didn't see it. So, yeah. And then a couple other, on the other side, a couple of us got cuffed up. And uh, so, yeah, never seen that happen before, but they say it happened yesterday in here. Interesting. Interesting. Here's another quick one, but I, I feel like it goes back to what do you do uh, when you get on the outside. If a fraternity member 
gets out of prison and the members in the prison need somebody beat up or violence to occur on somebody outside, do, do they get the word and that's what needs to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that seems absolutely. like it writes itself. And let's end it with question, uh, viewer questions with uh, what's the positive aspects of being in a fraternity other than just having uh, protection? Well, this is this is good because everyone always talks about the other stuff. And so, like, the alluring thing, and I've kind of went over this before. Whether the, all the people involved are aware of this or not, I'm not claiming that I was aware of it. It provides It provides a service that seems to pop up or a necessity, it seems to pop up naturally adjusting the environment. I kind of talked about it. If there's one, there's got to be a bunch. But what it does is it allows you in a place with zero control, with almost no control, to formulate your own rules, guidelines, and control. All right? So when you show up at a joint, there's no way. You don't really have – I mean, you can, but it's a, it's a way – it's hard to – you've got to sit down and watch everyone and know everyone and, and judge everyone on an individual basis to know how to treat them and how to react. Organizations allow it to when you show up at a spot and there's people there that um, are in your fraternity, you can immediately go, okay, they don't do this, this, or they're not supposed to do this, 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 and this. And if they do do, do this, 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 and this, then this is what's going to happen. It's a, it's a mechanism of social control in a place where there is no social control. And if you look at, this is going to like, if you look at like, Hobbes, who's a philosopher, like I mean, there's this thing called a Hobbesian trap, which is nations that you apply it to nations a lot, right? So it has to do with war. So they say when you have a bunch of aggressive countries around you who might do a preemptive strike, in order to prevent a preemptive strike, you do a preemptive strike, or you posture to let them know that that shit's not going to go down. And that's kind of that's kind of that posturing is kind of what organizations do too it provides a layer of like well if I do go at this guy and he's got all these other guys and this might have to happen but in the end it ends up creating more violence than it's supposed to deter because of that like we got to maintain this image and we can't let this slide and that slide and when people in there aren't following the proper protocol and procedure and carrying themselves the right way now you have to clean your own house and then it just becomes a thing that this when I got back to quality uh, uh, problem over quantity. You know what I mean? So the, some of the positive, it, it does. And there is a really thing, good thing. So whenever um, someone shows up at a spot as a fraternity member, you instantly send someone that's a treasurer that has what's called the box, which is everyone pays dues every month. And that's for helping people. It's for have, helping bros who don't have money hustle. They can make fudge and sell fudge. Um, they can take loans out of there if they need it. If they need to pay a debt, there's a TV and they need a TV and they don't have the money. Go get it out the box, pay it back when you're done. Um, when anyone shows up, boom, someone instantly hits your, hits your hand. Here's toothpaste. Here's deodorant. Um, here's soap. Here's some food. Here's some coffee. Go ahead. Get it back or don't get it back. You know what I mean? This is You just showed up here. This is how we run our shit. That was real big on that. You know, this is how we do our thing. What do you there's pay some real good guy. Huh? What do you pay dues in? Suits? Whatever you want. There's a certain... You have one minute remaining. There's a certain price. a couple bucks um, okay. a month. And you can pay it in whatever you want. Coffee, any, you know what I mean? Hygiene. It doesn't really matter. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. 
we're going a little long, huh? So there's, there, there are good things. There's good guys involved in it that actually do genuinely care about you. But the percentage isn't any higher than non-fraternity members who are good guys that will help you and give you good advice, which I realize, you know? And oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. you. We've we got to wrap this up. Yeah, I know. Are we out of here? Are we gone? Are we getting it on the one-minute mark like that? I'm down. I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, so on behalf of uh, everybody involved, Marshall, we're going to get with you soon and uh, have a little chat. Bobby? Freddy Schnurtz? We, we gone. Are gone. To learn more about Bobby and prison reform, go to notesfromthepen.com. This has been another Notes from the Pen production. Okay, I just wanted to take a second real quick to say that, um, that when you're dealing with subject matter like this, and I'm talking about uh, someone who passed away that, that was important to me, that though flawed, he was deep down he was a good person. And it's hard to paint a full, a full picture and, and to do justice to, to who he was um, as a person. So just in case anyone's out there and, and was still thinking about maybe judging him without getting a fuller picture, I just wanted to say that, you know, he died before he had the chance to look back and, and regret some of the stupid things he'd done or, or learn from them and, and to, to look back and, and be at that higher level or, or someone who had a chance to, to learn and regret and, and to make progress, you know. And, and I just wanted to remind everyone of that and just say, you know, I love you, D. Uh, rest in peace, bro. I swear it's like a disease that goes round and round and round like sirens And they wanna bury me, why? Cause I'm anti-everything I swear it's like a disease that goes round and round and round like sirens Money, pussy, alcohol. You niggas, pussy, after all. Money, pussy, alcohol. You niggas, pussy, at it all. Fronted my first brick over oxtails and ran with it. Dope is like a two-way street. The addiction, both you and me. Now take a seat. Uh. Every car got a fleet. Every bra get a Jeep. Every sparkle in the club that wasn't ours, we compete. Poor minds are poor decision makers. No reward, then what's the risk you taking? New bitch, I've been fucking, might start a rap war. Born in Belichick, can't tell it yet. Defense wins games, Bill Belichick. These hoes having Google numbers, niggas better check. Yeah. Money, pussy, alcohol. You niggas pussy after all. Money, pussy, alcohol. You niggas pussy at it all.